podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Today we are recording a special episode uh, with one of our returning guests, Abdullah from uh, Down the Ground Podcast. Uh, but before we do that, let me welcome my co-host Ajit. Hello Ajit, how is it going for you? Hi Giri. Uh, well, a mixed sort of a week as far as I am concerned. Uh, the team I play for, uh, I think we are going to get relegated to a lower league. Oh, damn. Uh, in cricket, that is. So, how about you? Well, it couldn't be any worse for me. <laughs> you know what? Wow. I I tried my hand again at wicket-keeping uh, in, uh, with our team last weekend. And I happened to break my uh, middle finger on the right hand. So, it's really broken and I have, I have a fracture right now. So... Wow. Okay. A cast has been put around my arm. So, yeah, not a good start to the week. And I'm out of commission, so I can't play for my team. Uh, they have a tournament end of this month, end of September. Another one beginning of October. I can't feature in either of them. So it's a, it's a huge shame. Um, yeah, but it is what it is. So happens. Well, I mean, that is indeed very unfortunate that, uh, you know, you must break your uh, finger uh, on a return to wicket-keeping duties. But, you know, at least your friends and colleagues will be happy that you'll not be greeting them in the usual manner. You've broken the middle finger, you said, of the right hand. Right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. true. I mean, <laughs> not that I would do that. Yeah, not that I do that on a regular basis, but... Is it? You oh, never know. No, 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 no. I'm a saint, man. Come on. That's the problem, right? People who claim to be saints are the ones you have to be most afraid of. But anyway... Right. Parking that on the side, uh, let's go on and listen to what Abdullah has to say. Uh, we have a special guest. We have Abdullah from the Down the Ground podcast, who is joining us uh, to talk about uh, a lot of changes that have been happening uh, with the Pakistan cricket scene recently. So, hello, Abdullah. Welcome to the Amcha Cricket Podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me over once again. It's good to be back. Thanks a lot. I mean, it's always a pleasure to have your company, uh, you or anybody else for that matter from the Down the Ground podcast. So uh, this time we are also uh, very lucky that we have both of us here, me and Giri, both of us are here. Before we get into the, let's say, the nitty gritty, a brief word about the death of Abdul Qadir. So this guy was a real path-breaking leg spinner as far as Pakistani cricket is concerned. And of course, he made sure that, uh, you know, the leg spinning flag was actually flying through the 80s and even early 90s when there are not many great leg spinners out there. So what are your thoughts about this, Abdullah? Yeah, on the topic of Abdul Khadir, if you if you open up his cricket info page and you look at his stats, he doesn't seem to be such a remarkable bowler. He average above 30, not things that you would normally associate with uh, with a great bowler. But his legacy is in the fact that that you observe the praise from his contemporaries and you see the when you dig a little deeper in his performances, then you realize that he actually played quite a crucial role in, for example, Pakistan's good record in the 80s against the West Indies. 
which was a very commendable thing against a team that was that's rightly considered one to be one of the best ever. So also the the main reason why he's held in such high esteem is because in the 80s every team in during that era, whether it was West Indies, Australia, or other majorly successful teams, they all had a lot of successful fast bowlers. It was all about fast bowling and intimidation and. And for England, they had good seam bowlers and they were always successful on the back of the Pacers. But Pakistan was the one side that had a leg spinner in Abdul Khadir who, who brought that art of leg spin back into cricket, which was not really, which was not, you couldn't see many international teams with leg spinners of that caliber. So that's one of the main thing. And you see his legacy coming through in the, in the next generation of leg spinners that has come after him, for example, in Pakistan, there's many uh, there's many leg spinners who model themselves after him, and internationally also the, the likes of Shane Vaughan and Anil Kumble, they all condoled with his death and expressed their as in their appreciation of the legacy left behind, which is I think what his real contribution to cricket beyond just the stats that you can see. Indeed. Look, I mean, 236 wickets over 63 tests is not exactly very bad, huh? because uh, mm. in the 80s yeah. and probably the early part of 90s where he played, uh, many of the pitches were a bit dead. Whether he played in Pakistan or abroad, uh, maybe the pitches were not as conducive to spin bowling. And uh, an average of 32 is not really bad when you look at uh, leg spinners across the spectrum, you know, unless you go Indeed. pre-war. Uh, when there were like pitches that were like literally bogs, probably spinners have had a bit of a tough time after 60s and 70s. So it was not all that bad, right? Also, I think he ran a cricket academy. He was also a part of the setup, so to say, because um, he was a chief selector, if I'm not wrong. Then he did a couple of things, right? I don't know if he was ever a, he was ever involved in a coaching capacity with the Pakistan team, but. I remember he was once the chief selector at some point in time. He was also yes, he, he he was involved in a few administrative roles, but recently he had been quite vocal about the new system and everything. But I don't believe he was involved in coaching, not officially as in, but he did coach a lot of leg spinners, of course. In like you can even see videos of him working with leg spinners and teaching them about the different deliveries and things. Indeed, I mean when you look at when you look at anybody who gave him a tribute, probably anybody who was a spinner of any sort, even leg spinners for sure, always said he was he was helpful. Whenever they went to him with a doubt or something, he would always help them. He would never, you know, sort of play on his um, fame or something, right? That's one thing. Yeah. The mm. other thing, well, I mean, I think uh, in the recent years, he may have sort of fallen away with PCB, so to say, because it looks like, you know, his own son decided to pursue a first-class career in uh, Australia. Uh, that, comes, yes. that comes as a bit of a surprise, but... I mean, do you think maybe he did not get his due with PCB or maybe it's just, just one of those things? I think it's just one of those things that happens. I mean, he he obviously thought that PCB were being uh, unfair with him or whatever. And he did, he did criticize them on various occasions. But I prefer to remember just him as a bowler because that's his major legacy. Because after that, I mean... It's not all pleasant, so it just spoils the legacy. That's why, as for his uh, his son, yeah, Usman Khadir, uh, he did pursue a career in Australia. And actually, this year he has been included in one of the teams. 
So that, but that depends on his availability for domestic cricket. But of course, they did make the decision that uh, I believe a couple of years ago that he thought that he does not have a future in Pakistan cricket, and that's. Uh, I mean, it's a competitive game, but obviously the Khader family felt that there was some unfairness, and uh, I sympathize with that. And if they, if if he performs and if he does well, I hope that he can carry over the mantle from his father. Indeed, this uh, younger Kadir has played one or two games in the BBL last year, so maybe you know he's uh, made a place for himself, and I hope we can now uh, build on it. You never know; yes. he may even get a chance to represent Australia someday in the future. Whenever you look at Kadir, I think I heard a couple of his guest appearances in on these panel shows, cricket panel shows, and so on. He's a bit bombastic. He was a bit larger than life. You could see that. So. Well, maybe yes. there may have been some differences. Maybe there have been some misconceptions on one side of the other. But yeah, that can happen. It happens a lot in Pakistan cricket, especially. <laughs> you know, speaking about uh, Kader and him being bombastic, uh, it actually takes me back uh, to about 30 years ago. I think I was maybe a six-year-old kid, and I think we had a television kit which was black and white, and there was a match being played between India and Pakistan. uh it was one of those earlier t20 games i think it was an exhibition match uh, where pakistan scored 157 runs and india were chasing it down uh apparently sachin tendulkar was batting so uh, sachin tendulkar had a you know i think had a go at uh, the young spinner mushtaq ahmed um for a couple of sixes and then apparently uh, abdul qadir came up to him and then said uh, you know bachon ko kyu maar rahe ho hame bhi maar ke dikhao you know why are you hitting the kid hit me too and uh, sachin really took it very seriously and uh, in one over from abdul qadir he i think he hit uh, like four sixes and a boundary uh, which also meant that sachin tendulkar was announced to the world as a batting prodigy so abdul qadir may have helped uh, sachin you know or announced sachin to the world uh, i think india won the match comfortably in the end but uh, it just goes to show that uh, you know he was a like you said ajit he was maybe a larger than life character as well so Uh, and he of course bred spinners right i think he helped mushtaq ahmed a lot uh, and maybe also uh, the other guys who came uh, after mushtaq ahmed like saklan yeah also if you if you look at for example the likes of imran tahir if you compare his with him with abdul qadir you see that the actions are actually quite similar absolutely absolutely i remember that yeah. i think uh, when i was a kid somebody told me that if you have to bowl a good leg spin uh, while well, i was trying to copy uh, once such action i i think as a kid i tried to copy shahid afridi's action and once somebody said that if you want to bowl a good leg spin your uh, you know right arm should actually just rub across your uh, right ear something like that and i remember abdul qadir having a similar action when he was uh, you know uh, bowling um, mm. so yeah i have good memories i think it, it takes me back all those years uh, so yeah it's uh, definitely a huge loss to the cricketing community i have to say as they say may his uh, soul find peace Going on to uh, other matters, we have heard that uh, since um, Imran Khan has become the Prime Minister of Pakistan in his capacity as the Chief Patron of PCB, he's also recommended a couple of changes to the domestic structure, right? So now the number of teams that will compete for the top top trophy, which is the Qadiyazam Trophy, the first class trophy in Pakistan, will be only six. So instead of your departmental teams and uh, you know domestic teams of regions coexisting now there will only be the regional teams so there will only be six regional teams so if i uh, understand right there will be six uh, teams and uh, these same six teams will also continue for the pakistan one day cup also for the national t20 tournament right so all of these yes. will still be six but then there is one league lower so there is a let's say non first class setup where six city based teams will also play right 
Actually, it's the second level is also just it's basically the same teams, but they have a second eleven. So these matches will take place simultaneously, and that's for all formats. So six teams playing first class cricket, and then six six teams playing the, the second eleven of the same teams, which are provincial provincial sides. So the second elevens will also play at the same time, like in the same city or maybe in another city, but against the same opponent that the senior team is playing. And the teams are actually quite flexible. So if you have players performing in the second eleven and you have underperforming players in the first eleven, you can swap them. And so it's quite an open system in terms of the first and second elevens. And also it it it's for all the formats. So. It's expected to be for all the formats, so you'll see the same applying, the same system being applied to the one-day and T20 tournaments. Right. Before we get into more detail, I also see that you know the disenfranchisement of the departments, like all these gas company, the airlines, all the VAPDA, all of these standard departments that used to also invest a lot of money, the banks, Abhi Bank, all of these guys. Right. Now, what are they thinking about it? I mean. Are they completely kept out of the picture or can they still support one of the you know regional teams? How does that work? Well, one of the initial proposals by the by the board was well, it's not something official, but it was understood to have been that there that there was a proposal for a system where there would be region regional teams and the departments would be like uh, supporting them from the from the back. The, the regional it would be the regional teams their their name and everything you know because that's what fosters the rivalry but the departments would still play a part but eventually uh, the departments did not want that and Imran Khan did not want departments involved in any capacity so basically the constitution has been completely revamped to remove them from the picture there's you now there's a quite a broad discussion to be had about the positives and negatives of that but that's the reality now the departments are no longer in the picture considering the amount of investments departments have made over the last two decades or so right yeah if, if the talent is able to transfer across to the regional system uh, the regional system i heard was more uh, prone to corruption whereas departments had a bit more streamlined approach and uh, they were a bit more you know accountable in their structure would this really help pakistan cricket going forward do you think yeah you're right in that regional cricket is long for a very long time it's considered to be riddled with a lot of corruption and that's just uh, that's just what happens over here because of the lack of funds or lack of uh, it's not really a professional system per se the departments functioned in a more professional manner because obviously they have money invested in it and they have it's a, like a proper process that's put through so they had a whole system for the players they had good coaches working with the players they have good facilities like each uh, department will have a good facility in the major cities or whatever so and they they are they are good things that have come out of this and bad things the bad thing is that with the departments being uh, removed from the scene like there were eight department eight departmental teams last season in the khaidazam trophy and and eight regional teams so now they're just they replaced they both replaced by six provincial teams so the eight departmental teams like maybe had 20 or 30 players each who were getting paid and they were getting additional benefits they basically had jobs with the departments as well 
And then even below that in the grade two, which is the the non-first class section where the, there's still three-day games held or longer format games held, those there were departments in that section too and they also provided it was not of course not as professional and they were not as well run as the main departments that have been successful mm. traditionally in Pakistan cricket but they also provided opportunities for cricketers for young cricketers so yeah that has gone and now it's quite a it's quite a small group of players that will be involved in a small group of cricketers that will be involved in the season and there's a lot of good things mainly the, that will come out of it the good things will be related to competitiveness and the fact that you can you can judge performances more easily you can't just have someone who's bullying weaker teams and getting away with that and failing against stronger teams now all the teams are generally at a similar level perhaps not exactly the same level but there's more competitiveness but of course a lot of cricketers are now out of the picture which is not ideal besides that another thing that i should mention is that the new teams they have a salary structure and all but what the offering is not quite at the level of what the departments were offering so obviously for the main first class cricketers it's like a step down so that's something also for the board to work on going forward this sort of brings me to the next question so there'll only be about 32 people right per team per regional team there'll only be 32 people chosen and 16 from kadeazam and let's say 16 from the second string team and so on and so on so yeah. in this case um, also with respect to the amount of remuneration what you already brought up will there be any yeah. chance of a brain drain or something like that i mean use the term talent drain not brain drain because mm. is there a chance that maybe you know some very talented pakistani cricketers who previously have had not had an opportunity may still miss out here i mean this sort of a system should effectively engender a more uh, if if the selection is uh, purely based on merit and uh, stuff it can basically mean uh, the system really thrives but the point is it needs to be given a bit of time i guess right because it's a new system maybe it needs 5 years to start showing some sort of a result but maybe one set of cricketers or the let's say one crop of cricketers might be lost is there any worry about this yeah this it's a very good question and the outcome of this depend uh, it depends a lot on the uh, on the lower system below the first class and the uh, the provincial system which is there will be a city based system for crickets and that will also serve as a pathway for cricketers to come into a provincial sides but the main thing is that it's still quite in quite uh, it's in an introductory stage at the moment so people don't really know how it's going to work and how efficient it will be and whether the corruption will still be there because if that's still there and then players don't have like much of remuneration to be gained from the level below first class cricket then you'll rapidly see parents are telling their children that see how difficult it is to get into this cricket system so the board has to make sure that these that the lower systems are functional and they're functional in a way that can enable players to come up with as long as they have ability and they can perform it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a system where where we see just players coming through on the basis of non cricketing reasons or whatever and and they must have an opportunity like you cannot just have players stuck in clubs and playing club cricket even when they're 
like nearing their peak years they need to be getting opportunities at a good level and if they're good enough then they should be able to make it to the top level so that's indeed. a big challenge indeed if i were to ask you in a you know concise way do you think this will work or it might fail in the long run i think that uh, i'm i'm very supportive of the new system but we have to understand the limitations and also accept that uh, it's it's difficult in a country in a country like pakistan where there's a lot of problems in for this type of a system to flourish initially the only option for people is to give them time and to see what happens and just hope that things work out but already the as you know that media in our parts of the world is so they they don't give any chance or anything they anything goes wrong and they they jump at everyone's throats immediately and that's already underway so i don't know i just hope that the board sticks to their guns they go through with their reforms and they keep doing what's good and they ignore the noises that are coming from outside indeed so yeah i mean it's a system that needs to be given some time to prove itself so let's hope uh, for the best and the natural talent that is so abundantly seen in pakistani cricket all these you know decades continues to raise to the top so that it can get a chance to express itself at the international level another quick just a quick aside what are your thoughts on uh, wasim khan do you think he's uh, now that he's had a few months to settle in do you think he's doing a good job and uh, more accountability is being uh, brought to the structure yeah definitely a lot of things have changed at the at the top level in terms of how the board functions and how things are run on a day to day basis there's been a visible change now with the domestic cricket season about to start in a few days i think what everyone's eyes will be on is how the new system is implemented and whether for example they keep there's releases media releases every day about this has changed in domestic cricket that has changed better pitches kukubura balls so now people will want to see some results at the, at least from that so better pitches they'll be expecting to see better scores not like low scores and teams getting out for 100 uh, better ball so not just you shouldn't just have the slow medium pacers and left arm spinners just taking all the wickets as has been the case in the past of course from an at, at an administrative level wasim khan has done a lot of good things but we also have to recognize that a lot of the a lot of the people that are still that are in charge at the pcb are still from the previous era and have been in pcb for a long time so it remains to be seen whether they will be able to deliver under his vision but of course with the change of the constitution he is now effectively the chief executive so he is responsible for for basically running the board as it is so he has a lot on his plate and uh, with the domestic cricket and uh, the tours uh, the, like pakistan is trying to bring other countries to tour it's very, it's a very difficult job and people keep bringing up his salary and this and that and they just fail to recognize the amount of work he has to put in so i am i am very supportive of him i just think that he'll need to possibly in future take a few tough calls about who to keep and who not to keep out of this uh, the old company that has been in the pcb and when people don't live up to expectations he'll need to be ruthless in the way he deals with them because it's a performance based system and you have to ensure accountability and merit 
at from the top to bottom so that you ensure that the board is run properly and is completely functional well indeed we already discussed this in uh, you know offline when i said sometimes the people don't change but just the roles changes so with such okay, a yeah. setup in place uh, if you want to bring accountability some heads have to roll and people who are able to contribute will remain so this this will yet remain to be seen i have a lot of hope for wasim khan that he can bring that accountability and transparency that he's very famous for right and he's also played first class cricket so he sort of also understands the pain that cricketers face right so with all this in mind one really hopes uh, he's able to add a lot of positivity and a lot of uh, you know uh, the structure and the mentality that he brings to pcb so that you know going forward the cricket can really benefit from that structure top down now going on to the next topic the hot topic so to say we have been covering in our previous episodes that first of all misbah was being sort of sought after by pcb and then finally misbah accepted that he wanted to apply for the head coach position and so on but now it has come to fruition this whole process and Misbahul Haq, uh, the former Pakistani captain, has been appointed as the both the head coach as well as the head selector of the Pakistani bench cricket team. So, what are your thoughts on this, uh, Abdullah? Yeah, the the appointment of Misbah was one of the worst kept secrets of the year, so to say. Everyone seemed to know bef- weeks before it actually happened, and all the the small murmurs at the beginning eventually turned out to be completely true. So. Uh, I I think it's it was quite a surprising in initially when I heard about it I was quite shocked because Misbah has absolutely no experience of coaching any team at uh, at a decent level though he has served as a mentor or whatever for various teams in domestic cricket but at the end of the day coaching is a, it's a specialist it's a specialist position and uh, I there's always mixed feelings about these type of things at one at at one level you can recognize that he's always been an honorable man he's always been someone who someone who seems to have the his heart at the right place so you can expect him to do the right things but you also wonder that would pakistan have been better off with someone who has more experience in such a role and who will be better equipped to deal with the all the baggage that comes with being in such a role as for the dual role of the head coach and chief selector some people mind it and there are of course there's a argument to be made that it's it will be difficult for a head coach for example a head coach becomes closer to his players and then he has to serve as the chief selector and bring in new players and remove players who he might be close to because if they're not performing so it'll be a very tough role but misbah has always been a very professional professional cricketer and professional in everything that he's done really so i think it's best to remain optimistic and to hope and to have hopes that it'll work out it's just that the process of his appointment seemed it seemed to compromise the transparency process which is not ideal when when pcb is obviously looking to build uh, an image of transparency and uh, merit based uh, picks and whatever so that was just a real disappointing that it seemed that they had already decided on these things on the like the head coach the bowling coach wakari unus as well it's not uh, ideal besides the appointment itself that was the main thing i had a gripe with 
the appointment, uh, you can argue two ways about it and, and everyone's hopeful that it works out. The one thought I had was also expressed by Harsha Bogle online when he said that, you know, these two roles are sort of contradictory in as much that if you are the coach, you are expected to get close to your player, sort of be their brother, mentor, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. chief selector is supposed to be a bit more ruthless, a bit more cut and dry about what will benefit the team. Even at the cost of a player's career or his, you know, future, you're supposed to take the call because the team is bigger than anybody involved, right? So right. with these sort of things in mind, I mean, it's sort of, uh, there is a, a bit of a risk uh, if you give both of these uh, roles to the same person. But you know, Ajit, uh, ah. <laughs> I think Misbah can be one of the most qualified persons uh, to take up this role because he has an MBA in human resource management. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if anybody know, anybody knows how to manage people, it should be him. And he has been the captain of Pakistani team, I think, for quite a while. And he knows the people who play who play in the team. He knows the team dynamics. Uh, so it might actually be a very good appointment in my opinion. I'm a, I'm also a big fan of Mispa. I think he like uh, Abdullah said he has he's a, a very professional guy uh, and I think he's also stayed out of controversy. Um, and uh, I think Pakistani cricket will be in good hands. But the only thing is uh, it probably needs a bit of time. Uh, they have to give him uh, cut him some slack. I think he will have to form a team because they've had just had the disappointment of uh, an early exit from the World Cup. Uh, so and with the test championship also uh, running in parallel along with the T20 coming up next year i think he has to build a team and a culture uh, that is his that will be his uh, you know his own signature uh, and I, I, did i hear right if uh, if wakar yunus was the bowling coach is that right yes yes wakar yunus so i think teaming i think those two guys teaming up uh, could be a good combination um, so I, i'm i'm really hopeful that uh, this picks up and it doesn't end up uh, you know like one of those uh, previous appointments i think mickey arthur was also a good coach but maybe the culture uh, did not suit him or his way of uh, you know coaching i think that's one of the reasons why india also did not appoint a, a foreign coach uh, they, they decided to stay with uh, ravi shastri so i think I'm, I'm pretty sure it will work it just needs a bit of time just just back to your point ajit you were talking about the the potential for the roles to clash. I think that what Harsha said was was it's, it's correct at the level where that's what the role defined roles are. But in Pakistan cricket, that's not really how it's functioned. So, for example, the previous chief selector, Inzam Amul Haq, and he was known to be like he he came he would be quite actively involved with the players he would often go on tours he would be involved with the team he would be at training sessions every now and then so he was relatively close to a lot of the players and there were also allegations from the media of him favoring people like uh, hit the selection of Wahabrias for the World Cup. People were saying that it's because of external reasons or whatever. So there's always been this type of criticism. There's always something to criticize, basically. So the uh, making the roles a two in, making it a two-in-one position, the head coach and chief selected, I think that it's a good move from the 
from the point of view that it will just ensure the accountability so when he selects a player then he cannot uh, if the player goes on to fail then he cannot say that the chief selector provided me with the wrong player so it's a complete it's a complete process now that misbah is completely control of and that's what wasim khan was saying when they were when they were doing their press conference that misbah is going to be completely accountable for the team now because it's all under his watch in essence what i thought after seeing the press conference and hearing the tone of which both wasim khan and uh, misbah spoke misbah is actually he's almost in a in a role of a, like a team director he's not just a coach he's j- almost responsible for the overall running of the team say like you had andrew strauss and ashley giles do in the england cricket board he's responsible for st- strategy for the future of the team he's he'll be consulted on a tours and how the team should progress forward so i think his role is actually very large and yeah he because he has the understandings of how pakistan cricket functions and he of course is qualified with a masters degree and he has qualifications it's just that he doesn't have the coaching qualifications that the best coaches have he has a level 2 uh, coaching qualification which is not that impressive there's a lot of people who have level 3 and level 4 which is the highest so I I think that it's a good appointment from that point of view where as in uh, like a team director something is a system that I'm quite supportive of because it it gives a proper a proper focus to the international team and to the surrounding structure of the A team and the the lower age levels and, and all that so in that sense i think it is a good appointment it's just whether he can deliver on that coaching front he whether he can manage the players as is required and then also set up a working strategy for like the for him and the captain to execute to beat opposing sides you probably brought up one of the concerns i really had if the chief selector and the coach were the same but look in in general i get your point he's like now the director as you say and he's in charge of the whole process the only thing is usually a selector can come and you know also interact with players whatever but he also can go watch matches which are on going on on the side as a coach who's planning and traveling with the main team he may not have that uh, time uh, the bandwidth to go also watch upcoming players or promising players and this not this and that but i think there will be associate selectors and other selectors who will assist him in this i guess right this is one of the yeah, points i had okay i was just explaining the new system of selectors that pcb has done is that the six provincial sides they all have a head coach so all of the head coaches will act as the six as you can say associate selectors who who help misba to select the team but they don't they don't report on their own players so when uh, when each team plays then the head coach is supposed to report on his opposition's players he speaks about uh, this player from the opposition what he finds some a spark in the opposition in some player then he mentions it in his report after every match he has to write a report so for example if there's one player and one team and all of the opposing coaches are writing about him then misbah can be fairly sure that this is like a player who who can be 
who can be successful at the top level and is perhaps worth investing in and that also removes the the likelihood of corruption as in where coaches will put forward their own players so i think that's quite an interesting and innovative system i haven't seen it in place before in other countries Indeed. Uh, to draw a parallel, I think this appointment of Mesbah is uh, probably along the lines of uh, what a football team does. If you look at all the famous football clubs, they've had a coach who is also a team manager and he gets to select the team that plays under him. Right. So he, he, if you consider club football, the coach even, uh, you know, buys players from uh, other clubs or other countries. So he is involved in the team selection process right from the beginning. And maybe Mesbah is... you know he he probably will have scouts uh, in the lower levels in the lower leagues or in the at club or uh, you know provincial cricket uh, who will feed him information and he will consider that of course uh, but it looks very much along the lines of uh, how a football team functions and it might be actually a future formula for other uh, teams to consider it may not be a bad idea at all indeed well if i may be cynical just for a second misba being the test captain knows how to play the long game right i mean i'm going to contend that he actually engineered this role for himself you know after all he was member of the cricket committee that did a review of all the coaching staff and the management staff after the world cup right yes. and then he quit so he, the committee and then became the so he, the cynic in me would say well played mispa because after all he's a he's a former test match captain that's how you play the game so he knows how that's done but i mean apart from the jokes i may make look there is probably no the, more qualified a person than ms pa currently in pakistan to do the role that is been i i know i know you mean it as a joke but it's actually a valid concern because he was a member of the cricket committee that recommended that miki arthur should not be retained and then after miki arthur leaves and then and the coaching process is underway then he resigns from the committee and then he applies for the head coach role so yeah there is definitely there has been it's not not at an official level but of course from fans and from the media there has been a discussion about the conflict of interest and how how the whole uh, situation came about and perhaps that's that's what i meant by the transparency process being a little compromised you know ajit uh, this reminds us of our rahul dravid how he has been given a conflict ah. of interest notice so <laughs> it right, might be right. one of them here so indeed indeed yeah. now but look conflict of interest can and cannot apply in many cases you know sometimes it's taken out of proportion unnecessarily and in many cases it's actually applicable but in this case what i am interested in is that somebody like misbah taking control of the team entirely also the let's say the chain of uh, let's say the people who might be coming into the team and going out and coaching them also keeping them in the right frame of mind and everything it's not a bad thing at all given what he was able to achieve with the pakistan cricket team after the uh, spot fixing scandal and what not i think this is the right sort of a person so i am also a very big fan of misbah misbah the person who believes in process misbah the methodical so to say right and therefore i would say he's the right person let's see how that goes i mean uh, i can be cynical and i am allowed to but at the end of it all pakistan was ready for a new coach and they have chosen misbah i'm just going to look at it like that and whether he's going to also perform uh, the role of the chief selector how that's going to really affect the team time will tell right in the upcoming days we'll we'll have a better picture of that i'm thinking right so all the best to pakistan cricket and i'm really hoping misbah is able to turn the test match fortune of the team around because they lost a couple of home series that those that were played in uae for example right so i'm really hoping he's able to turn that around and 
also bring a bit more predictability to the after repeated mercurial nature of the pakistani cricket team in the shorter formats now going forward we were talking of home tours uh, sri lanka were uh, supposed to tour pakistan starting in about two weeks time if i'm not wrong and uh, there has been a small setback i think a couple of setbacks in the last couple of days one is that 10 of the top sri lankan players have withdrawn from the tour abdullah probably you've read this right yes and there has been one other small setback today so in this case sri lankan cricket is now saying they are now getting reports of another fresh terror threat so they are also even more bit more concerned and they are going to reconsider and they are going to do another uh, visit so what are your thoughts on this whole thing going on i think that the the second thing that you mentioned is quite a quite a blow the first the first was also disappointing but it was on the cards uh, i mean i mean you you're, you're not you're not given any assurances that the best players will agree to tour and obviously for some of them they were actually there when the attack on the sri lankan team in 2009 took place so it was not entirely unexpected but of course it shocked the pakistani fan base and they were very disappointed uh, there were eight names who basically opted out and there were two who were had contracts with cpl teams so that may have played a part tisara pereira and niroshan dikwela so yeah i think that the new thing that has come up with the threat and the sri lankan cricket board reconsidering the tour that's really a blow and they have said that they're looking for advice from the government on how to progress and i just hope that uh, i just hope that it works out because it's very conflicting because one day you see something positive the next day you see something negative so like yesterday for example the sri lankan board had spoken positively about touring pakistan they wanted to do it they said that pakistan toured them like pakistan's under 19 team toured sri lanka after that uh, the easter bombing attack if you remember when that happened so they they rec- the the relations between the two boards are generally pretty good so this latest development comes as quite a blow but obviously there's a process that needs to happen and i just hope that it it looks unlikely right now really for the tour to go ahead but i just hope that things can be worked out and whichever ministries get involved and if they can figure things out and it happens if it doesn't happen then pakistan will once again be reliant on hosting the psl and having that successfully held in pakistan to show that the country is safe for cricket i mean just for me i as a fan of cricket international cricket and pakistani cricket i would like to see pakistan play at home right but you know these small these small hiccups keep coming and going but from from the ground if an international team were to really tour pakistan and for example whenever the psl matches happen and also some world 11s had toured pakistan for a t20 series if i'm not wrong right uh, when all of this was going on you are in karachi maybe i don't know if you got to see one of these matches uh, but is it really a good idea on what is happening with the people and the amount of uh, changes that it affects them when one of these matches is coming up with police everywhere and maybe a armed escort and all the roads going to the stadium being blocked is it okay is 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 it too much of a impact on the everyday lives of people or is it is it fine that they are able to cope with it well there is definitely an impact on the infrastructure uh, since you mentioned it i did actually there were eight matches of the psl held in karachi this year and i attended all of them 
and i didn't have the fortune of going to the matches before that that were like the world 11 ones because i wasn't in pakistan but it must have been a similar situation then obviously quite a large area around the ground has to be it has to be secured to ensure the security of the match and it's not it's quite difficult for spectators also to get to the ground but as you could see with the with the people that were the number of people that were showing up for the spectators it's okay yeah it does disrupt daily life in the area but if it happens for just like a week of the year to bring cricket back to pakistan which is really the aim of the pcb and which is something that must happen for the betterment of pakistan cricket i think people can live with that obviously there will be a few people who mind it but i think the general the general perception is that they welcome whatever the board has to do to bring cricket back whether they have to shut down like a portion of the city or whatever you do what you have to do and eventually build that trust with other countries that it's a safe place to host cricket again and then work from there yeah look in our part of the world that is a subcontinent whenever there's a cricket match going on or a cricket match coming up usually life does get disrupted anyway you know people get excited and maybe productivity in the business sector or in some other sectors is probably not the same so a little bit of a hiccup here and there is okay but uh, as i was just i was just curious uh, how much of an impact it makes on the everyday lives of people so coming back to the sri lanka tour well let's say if there is a squad a or a squad b sent right to play in pakistan for the limited overs leg i guess it's not that much of a problem at least there will be international cricket played in pakistan and people who come to see the games will be really enjoying it and this is also a positive message sent to the other boards out there right but what about the upcoming test match series that was planned for december so if this tour is also called off or if something goes wrong or if 10 people don't decide to tour this in this tour do you think sri lankan cricket will be comfortable sending a full strength squad again if it's a bilateral series for a limited overs leg it's not a problem but if it's a test series i mean do you think do you think it'll pan out correctly because i'm i'm also a bit worried about it would pc be able to arrange everything back in uae in december that's the question right for me a logistical issue yeah i think that uh, that's the main thing that pcb were hoping that this limited overs leg goes through without any hiccups and then they would be in a better position to give sri lanka assurances about hosting the test matches so that's why the initial the 10 players pulling out that was a blow because because with the second with a weakened team coming not necessarily a second 11 but with a weakened team it's it's a different it's just different feel there's a different feel to it but if the tour doesn't happen at all then you just uh, you just it's very unlikely that the test matches would go ahead in pakistan and yeah pakistan would have to make a quick situation and sort it out in uae or figure out some other place to host which is not an ideal situation because they were really counting on hosting the sri lanka games and possibly even the bangladesh matches next year in january when there's the tour when bangladesh are supposed to tour pakistan they were quite looking forward to being able to host those so yeah the development today from that point of view is quite a big blow so that's why pcb will be hoping that it actually goes through all right and uh, i i think i speak for uh, many of us cricket fans out there that you know this tour really goes through and international cricket returns to pakistan as soon as possible 
so that people can form this hero associations that they can when you are very young you go to the stadium you watch your hero in action and that stays with you and it propels you further and further right so i hope this really happens just one thing i wanted to mention here since you mentioned that uh, little tidbit about youngsters and heroes the first match that i remember watching at a stadium in karachi was one that probably you guys will also remember quite well pakistan versus india at in karachi 2004 an odi web india made 350 and pakistan lost by around 5 runs yeah yeah so that oh, was yeah, yeah. that was that was one of the the best odi especially in that era i mean it was unrivaled in terms of the entertainment that we witnessed and i think that it had quite an impact in developing the cricket following there were lots of people lots of people who i know who aren't even that much into cricket and they were there and it 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 made them perhaps deviate a little more towards cricket and you know have a bit more interest in it so that's why there's the importance of hosting cricket in your country because when you experience that moment it really can't be rivaled by just like watching it on tv or just hearing about it reading a newspaper report i mean you have to be in the stadium and view it and just see history unfolding before your eyes and then you that's where the love of the sport grows i totally agree so i really hope it comes to pass that uh, this tour comes through and more international cricket really follows through and uh, more teams go and play in pakistan right so thanks a lot abdullah for uh, you know giving us your valuable time and sharing such very nice thoughts with us we would like to have you again and again and also other uh, you know teammates of yours from down the ground podcast do you have any anything you want to plug yeah you can uh, follow us on twitter at, uh, down the ground tw and our facebook page is just simply down the ground so just keep an eye on our social media we have some interviews lined up and we always uh, doing regular podcasts as well for those who are interested in pakistan cricket right then thanks a lot abdullah and uh, you know uh, i hope we can have more of these uh, you know guest opportunities from your uh, team more and more often and if we can ever return the favor let us know all right thank you so much for having me over once again no problem thanks a lot and uh, have a good day bye bye So moving on from that interesting conversation we had with Abdullah from Down the Ground podcast let us return to the trivia section uh, in our previous episode we had asked who is the only bowler of uh, asian origin to have claimed a fifer uh, in test cricket in uh, australia england south africa and west indies as always uh, one of our keen listeners yogesh has come up with the right answer and it is of course jaspreet bumrah Uh, Jaspreet Bumrah has in fact uh, taken uh, fifers in uh, all four continents namely Australia Europe Americas and uh, Africa uh, these are the spells that he has also listed down yogesh has listed down these 5454 uh, in Johannesburg in South Africa 5485 in Nottingham England 6433 in Melbourne in Australia and 547 the latest uh, five wicket haul which was in Antigua in West Indies so well done to yogesh um moving on to today's trivia question uh, we would like to ask you who has the best bowling analysis by a pakistani bowler in test cricket so as always uh, you can reach out to us uh, with our uh, using our twitter handle which is at @armchaircricketpod uh, you can also follow us on our facebook page you can write in to us at armchair.cricket@gmail.com 
and um, you can you know support us by subscribing to our podcast on several different channels uh, or podcast platforms like spotify apple Podcasts, podbean and uh, things of this sort we have more uh, episodes coming up in the next few days uh, it's going to be interesting with a lot of test cricket also being playing around and the ashes coming up to a close very soon having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye-bye You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.